Okay. And we're live. Hello. We are live. Welcome to Where There's a Will. We're back at it. I am sufficiently hungover after Friday's celebrations, which you were indeed a part of, Louis. Uh, yes. Might as well introduce yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Define your life in a statement. All right, so starting with an easy question. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Louis. I'm a third-year student who is a uh, currently studying game development and focus on environment art. And uh, I'm friends with you, Will. Obviously, you'd know that. But uh, yeah, we on the same course. And um, yeah, that's that's about it. I mean... That's old Louis. He sells himself too short. He's very <laughs> humble. He's, uh, he's a superb environment artist, and he's very T-shaped. Uh, both t- both years, you know, people have have looked to you as an example of how to be involved in a project entirely. Um, well, thank you. And I think, to an extent, it's it served like your your brain towards game development really well. So, like when you make an environment, you're not just making a set of like objects that sit in this scene and look pretty you're thinking about it on a on a like on a flow level and on a level base yeah. level and and i think like in terms of environment art i think that's that's the thing like i like make, making pretty environments and and all that that's fun doing doing portfolio stuff but what i really love is when you're actually working on a game and you create art that's not only just there to look cool but actually is part of the experience and serves it and and pushes up the gameplay and then when you actually see people like playing your game and your art's in there and it's and it's adding to it uh, adding to the experience and kind of tying in with the whole thing it's just there's nothing quite like that feeling i i uh i love it so much like the, one of the best feelings is when you're like watching someone play your game or you're, you're playing something you've made with someone and like they're enjoying it and you, it's like this joy inside you it's awesome it's, yeah that's man. yeah and like, that's you probably know, what I love the most about game development in general. To be honest, it's why my my, my heart's in it so much. Is that that interactability? It's that moment of childish delight that you see play across someone's face when you've done your job right. When when we've made a game that people are like, "Oh, this is fun. I'm enjoying this." That yeah. moment of and it doesn't even have to be like you know it doesn't have to be exquisite joy, but often it is, or often it's like a laugh or or a, a big beaming smile or or even like a sort of a frustrated just like determination that comes across a player's face when you present them with this thing you've made this experience you've created for them and uh yeah. and then to yeah and just to watch them become completely enthralled in it is so magical it's very uh it, it's it's addictive yeah. right you like you spend all this time working on and oh my goodness do we spend a lot of time working on fucking video games oh, but God. um but it's all worth it for that five minutes where you see someone just forget about the rest of their life and get fully invested in what you've given them to tackle. Yeah, and I think that's the, the thing with games is, and it's something that I can forget, is uh, they are such a complex product. Like, they, there is so much that are different, so many different things that go into it. Just as software, like, co- on a coding basis, it's so complex. You have all these systems working together. Then you've got all the art. And you've got the narrative, and they you in order to make a game good, you have to bring those elements together and tie them up, and on top of that, make it fun, which is possibly the hardest thing about it. Yeah. But when you do, my God, there is ah, there's nothing, there's nothing quite like it. Yeah. I mean, like I I get excited a lot in production, like when there's something that I make, like for example, I for the game that uh, I've just finished. Plug um, it. 
which is planetary pest control on itch.io for free uh, co-op adventure with a wrench uh, with a wrench who is an alien monkey and his robot companion Evie. But basically, I, I created Evie, which is the the mech, and it was awesome, like creating it, and it looks cool, like when it's just stood there. But seeing it when it gets in the game and the animations are, are plugged into it, and he's she's like running around and she's firing her guns. And especially recently, uh, a program implemented this thing where it's screen, uh, it's got this heads-up display that make its eyes. And um, one of our artists, this guy called Will, who I love, uh, another Will, but yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. we, uh, he made all these emotes for it on the screen. So like it would change its, like its eyes would get happy if it was like, or, or angry and, and it would be short, like saying pew pew and stuff. And a programmer programmed it in. So when it's like firing its gun, it says pew pew. And I honestly, I got way too excited about that. I was like, I screamed for, uh, for my flatmates to come in because I was just like, so childishly excited by it. I think that's um, like a really amazing perk of the like the team setup that you guys have had this year because you've had you know you've got a very large team um and you've got a lot of very um competent uh members of your team and like you know that, that comes with its own set of challenges i'm sure but like when you are working i imagine it feels amazing because you know you took a sort of a creative director role on the game and so yeah. i feel like that mostly at least you know in my experience like you know limited experience of doing any sort of like direction is like you have to just have good faith you have to just be like i know you guys can do this and then they come back to you and it's never quite how you well if you've done your job perfectly then yes exactly how you described it but most of the time it doesn't come back how you want like how you thought you wanted it but they've gone away and they've they've thought about it more than maybe you have and bring it back to you in a state that you're like, that's so much cooler than I had in my head. Yeah. Like, I can't believe how much more is here than I could have even thought would be on it. And it's in yeah. and visible and playable and you can... Oh, exactly, it's... exactly. And like, yeah, like working with, with a big team is definitely like positives and, and negatives. And something that was really hard for us was like just especially at the beginning, was was working together and figuring out the team dynamics. Because um, there was so... 14 people is, is quite a big team for a student game. And to begin with, it was there was no director. And it was just like... Uh, and there's a lot of people on the team that are, have very strong, like, creative um, drive, I suppose. Me included as one of them. And um, so it was very hard to make decisions, essentially, and get get anywhere with anything. And no one really knew, in terms of ownership, like who to go to to say, is this in line with the vision or not? Because no one really held a single vision. So we ended up just having to, to get a director and we did, you know, we kind of voted on it and I, I ended up getting voted in essentially. Uh, and that's mainly because like the, um, I suppose the, the initial, I the very first idea for the, the game was mine. And I kind of felt like I, I had quite a good idea in my head of what I wanted it to be. But like exactly like you're saying, when you work in a team and you work with other people, a lot of the time, well, all the time, they'll know more in their area than you will. And just as an individual person, as a creative person, they've got their own view of things, their own vision. So as much as like, like I did have to pull things together and be like, okay, no, like that's not in line with the game that is. A lot of cases, it was there was stuff that came out from other people that I was like, that's so much better than anything I could have come up with, right? Because they take the idea and they run with it and they add add a bit themselves to it and and bring it back. And it's like, oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and then it's working but... in a team is that's one of the best bits working in a team. You mm -hmm. know, is seeing sure. that, seeing people run with that stuff. 
yeah, I, I love the, because I've done a bit of work with a, a programmer in America on some game jams, and uh, there is nothing quite like the feeling of, because uh, obviously he's on a completely different time zone, so I'll, you know, we'll do a meeting, it'll be really early in the morning for him, and, you know, evening time for the rest of us who are in England, and then I'll yeah. be like, so, you know, this is this is what you got to do, Eddie, I'd, I'd need these things, um, you know, I you know, get as much done as you can, and then I come back, and it's like, I go to bed, wake up, and the next day it's like, oh, look, all of this stuff happened overnight. And it's like, it functions how I needed it to. And it, yeah. it, it's, it feels it feels super cheeky and efficient because you're like, ha, we're getting 24-hour productivity on the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's very obviously like, yeah, when you have a team, uh, even if your team works on the, on the game for a couple hours, everyone's putting hours in. So, you know, it's culminative hours and that that's one of the, the great things about working in, in the team this big is once we got past the the trials and i mean that it was still like throughout development even after the the i became the director it was still you know constantly um getting the team of 14 people to work was was a challenge and it was like essentially it was like a full-time job for me but i, I also had to kind of try and do art at the same time yeah man um but the the positive of it is like there was just so much productivity when we got going and because like most of like everyone on the team uh was like awesome at what they do so it was just like at the end of each day it was just so much had happened and it was like oh my god well i mean this is like, awesome <laughs> yeah it's the i mean like god it's so funny isn't it because you're you're correct to go you know very large for a student team but it's like, can you imagine trying to coordinate three or four hundred, like, uh, not yeah. artists, like, team members to, to make a get, like, I mean, I suppose that's why creative directors in big studios don't ever do any creative work. They just spend their yeah, whole time managing everything it's because just, you just so, don't So many meetings. Time. <laughs> <laughs> so many meetings. And, like, just a more extensive hierarchy as well. Like, you need to, you need to divide the administration essentially and have a team of people whose job it is like all the producers in a, in a game studio to keep everyone together and functioning and then obviously you have like leads of each separate area because like, i mean like we were saying before about how complex the game is there's all these different aspects and you've got to like head them all but also make sure and that's where like the overall creative direction is you got to make sure they're all like interweave um madness and Truly, it's, game it's, dev is mad well it's but. really funny isn't it because i feel like it's it's almost like uh it's almost like you're on this viking long ship that everyone's like walking down a hill or like you know pushing up the hill to get to the next river and like you know when you hit these rivers it's great and you you make great progress everyone's steaming along but then you've got to double check it's like is this river going the right way are we are we on the right river or do we need to get out and move to a different yeah. river and when you're getting people to go to that river Oh my goodness, is it difficult to because it's it's emotionally painful for everyone to have to be like this doesn't align with what we're doing. Yeah. We're gonna have to cover the the pieces of wood and fish oil and slog to pull the game out of this river. And yeah, I don't know if this analogy is like breaking down, but like you know, and then push yourself <laughs> up this hill and get to the next spot where it's like ah, this is where we want to be going. This is the direction we need to be sailing in. Yeah. Um, and if you don't have someone there to to check whether you're sailing on the right river or not, you'll happily sail straight into the rocks or a waterfall. Like it's, and and you get to that waterfall and you go, oh shit, there's no, like for example, um, if if you've ever, you know, you have, I know, but if anyone's ever tried to do any design, it's uh, 
uh, it, sometimes you sort of you 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 swim along the path and you're like oh this this is this path's great this path's really like you know this <laughs> seems really easy and then you sort of like yeah. come up against this giant wall and you're like oh, oh oh I've accidentally bumped into a like a game design nightmare like that is a well documented nightmare that big studios don't solve properly and you're like yeah oh maybe um maybe this wasn't the right path and but then sometimes <laughs> it is you know it's like sometimes yeah, it's worth it's scaling the cliff yeah. but it's gonna cost time and i think i think more than anything there's like a a morale cost and on a creative yeah. team like in a game it's like morale cost is something that should really be as as importantly considered as um as important as how much time you have and how many people you have what skills you've got morale is everything in a team like if you have no we had like a period of time before christmas where um we like there was quite a few people that weren't really on board with the game and the the game's direction itself was kind of it wasn't quite there like because there's lots different ideas what 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 it was and it ended up like if you design something by committee too much it just ends up like this death this by kind committee, of man. average yeah between everything which isn't actually got a distinct thing and ultimately what it comes down to is like at the start of a project no matter what it is really but i suppose we're talking about game in particular at the start of a project it's all potential and you have the this concept and you're like yeah it's like this kind of thing and as you go on and you flesh it out, obviously it becomes more realized. But every time you make a decision and you have to make a decision, you know, if it's like, oh, should it work like this or should it work like this or should it be set in this place or that place? Like every time you make a decision, which you, you have to do to give the game identity, you are you are limiting what it other things it could have been. Right. Mm-hmm. Like every time. But you have to do it. And that's something that I, I've especially noticed with this game is like it could have manifested in lots of different ways. And it's just that's the hard thing is with direction, I suppose, is figuring out what the right route is, like what what the game... And sometimes it's not even a right route. Like another way of doing it could have been just as good. Yeah. But it's not, you know... It, it is it, the route you've chosen. And I think as well, yeah. especially when you do stuff like design by committee, um, I think you end up running into the the... Oh, you've made two excellent games, but because they're in the same game, they're they've ruined each other. You're better yeah. off making one good game than two excellent games in the same game. And it's and it's cutting things away often, I think, is the hardest thing to yeah, do yeah. and the most beneficial thing to do. Because the less stuff you have to do that's mission critical, the more precisely you can hit those things and see if that's working. However, yeah. if you're if you're, you know, if you're just throwing a thousand darts out and seeing like, you know, oh, those, those, this is a fun thing or that's a fun thing or that it's the, it's the, it's the Viking longboat on the river analogy that I've just come up with. Yeah, it's the, yeah exactly. It's, it's like, oh, I want to do this, but also that's a really cool idea. And also this is a cool idea. And it's like, yeah, sure. All these ideas are cool, but ultimately they're not going to work together. You know, you need to choose what, like we had uh, one of our, well, the earliest form of the game. And this is when like people were like least happy with it. And because of that, like, our team essentially almost was close to splitting up, but because we went through it and we ended up like, you know, people that weren't happy with the game voiced, voiced it. And then, you know, we ended up getting director and all that. We completely changed what the game was like. It's setting its core remains the same, I suppose, but it, it's, it was almost unrecognizable. So the mm-hmm. game was set. It was still, you were still a monkey mechanic and you, you had a robot companion, but the robot was a more like a train on, on a track so it couldn't move and it acted it was in a sewer 
and it acted like a bridge for the monkey to get onto each side. So completely different to what the game currently is. Yeah, man, I remember and in terms that of tone, prototype. Yeah, and in, in terms of tone, it was like like much different and not really it's not really what i originally wanted and you know when when we kind of did the uh when i became director it, it got a lot more light-hearted and and wacky and that's not just thanks to me it's thanks to a, like about everyone on the team essentially we did like a world building meeting like emergency world building meeting like a couple of days before our uh midterm review it was like right let's just redo the game yeah and uh it was a bit it was a bit scary but we managed to get a pitch together which did, you know which got through it was like okay yeah we can see where you're going with this mm-hmm. uh just keep on this track um yeah, and that's kind of when we redid everything. We're like, right, take the mech off rails, and it's on this like fungal planet, and it's much more like spacefaring and and over the top and and cartoony, and and it served the game so much better. Yeah, um, I think I think it was. It, it's hard to say because I remember it was it was quite funny because I remember talking specifically to one of your designers about like my experience with that first prototype, and I remember saying to them like the monkey is the fun bit the mech is like it almost felt like it was assumed that because you're shooting guns with the mech that would be fun yeah but it was quite like at least from my perspective i was like the funnest bit is running around and doing all the extra stuff that this yeah. monkey was doing. So, it was like... so limiting it was so limiting it was just literally and the, the one of the reasons was we, we were playing around with the beginning of the idea that you could use your two different joysticks to aim your two separate guns mm-hmm. but it wasn't enough of a of a good mechanic to to kind of uh support the whole thing it was like you're saying it was, it was boring it wasn't yeah it wasn't intricate um, enough and then especially when you played the other the other contingent of it, and it's like you've got all these tasks to do, and you've got to run around. Like the, like you say, it's like if I think I think it's funny because I think you know if you'd have made a prototype where there was more focus on like having this like enemy AI that was interesting, these pathing behaviors that were like unique and difficult to hit and stuff, maybe the game would have gone in a completely yeah. different direction, as you say, because maybe the the shooting would have been more fun at that prototype stage, right? But yeah. you sort of it's that it's that looking at it and evaluating it and going. What do we do to make like? Is there a fun element in this? Is there something that people are enjoying? Yeah. Is there a thing that people... I mean? The, the thing I like the most with it probably was the idea that one of the players acted as like part of the level. So with the the mech character being this movable platform for the mm. monkey to walk on, and that's still kind of in well, it is in the game yeah, now. That's I very much you can part jump, of your game. You can jump on the the mech shoulders and use it to like get over acid and stuff like that. So it's still in there. Um, but it's just done in a way that's actually <laughs> good, Fun. I suppose. But th- there's other things, like other examples of choices we could have made, which were not necessarily bad, but just different. Like there was one prototype which our programmers did, where essentially the mech was fucking huge mm. uh, and uh, like really big, and it had much more climbing points on it. So it was like playing as the monkey would be more like um, playing Shadow of the Colossus, where you're like climbing, climbing this massive thing, mm. like the Iron Giant. And the perspective, instead of being like a shared screen, it would be like third person for the monkey and first person for the mech. And it would have to be like on either split screen or on separate computers. Wow. Um, That's an interesting idea. Yeah, it was. It was interesting. And it wasn't inherently bad. Like when I played it, I was like, this is, it was kind of cool having this massive mech and you could like climb about it and stuff. But ultimately, um, you wanted a couch, I, couch co-op game. That was one of your pillars. Yeah, that's, uh, that that yeah. is where I think having design pillars, like that's a really good example of how having something like design pillars and principles and guiding ideals and player experiences and all of this shit that people don't want to write, or at least, you know, 
I say people don't want to write. There are plenty of good designers that want to write this shit. But when I first started doing design, I was like, mm, we'll just talk about it. We'll just figure it out. But then you realize it's like, <laughs> if I don't write down yeah. all the failed ideas and why we don't think they're going to be effective, if people, you know, weren't in that meeting or people or or even yourself, even if, if it's like four months later and you've like left this this mechanic alone for four months because you're like, that works. And then you come back and re-examine it and go, mm, I'm not sure if this is working. Maybe we need to change yeah. it. You need to go and have that documentation to say, okay, here's an idea we tried. Here's a prototype we did for this idea. Here's the thing we did for this. These didn't work for these reasons. Or we decided yeah. not to go with this for these reasons. And then when you go back and look at that, rather than go, yeah, what was that idea we had? Oh, yeah, what if we do that thing? It's like, oh, no, we tried that in a prototype and it didn't work. Or yeah. we gave that to focus testers. We gave it to players and asked them what they thought about this. And they, they really didn't latch on to anything about that idea. And it's like, oh, it's very easy to forget that it's like, you don't just turn down ideas because, oh, it's my thought and I don't, or at least you hope that people, I mean, obviously yeah. ego comes into it. There is no time yeah, yeah, that yeah. like we can fully let go of that desire to be like, I'm the special one. I came up with the idea. But like, if you can, the best thing to do is to try and always, at least I think personally, one should, I, I it's weird. I feel weird about using the word you because I, I know you're not taking it as like, Louis, you need to do this. Yeah, but no, it's, no, just, but just use it. I, regardless, I just... regardless, it's one has to... Uh, keep these ideas measured and tempered so that when you go back to them or when you're looking at them, it's like, what, what decision was the one we made and yeah. for what reason? Um, yeah, you got, you got to learn from it. Right. And that, I think that's the thing is like, it's, you've got to be flexible and at least how, how I, when I approach design there, there's a big part of me that is that kind of like, right, let's follow the fun and, and just kind of, in a more freeform way, like find what is enjoyable, but you still, like you're saying, you still have to write, like essentially write it all out and, and plan it and document when things don't go right. It's like, okay, this is a problem and not just be like completely um, like documentless and just be like, oh yeah, that's fun. Throw that in and throw that in. It's like a weird mix of the two. Um, I mean, different de designers work in different ways. Like, I'm very different to both both designers on my team, and they're both very different to each other in terms of how they approach it. Um, I suppose because I mean, I'm not actually a designer like by profession, but um, so I'm a bit more. I come from that. Like, yeah, that fuck it. It's like throw that in. That's that's fun, you know. <laughs> like, uh, can we swear on this? By the way, we can swear. On this. I've been swearing like a fucking slayer. Sl <laughs> <laughs> Go nuts, my man. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm a little bit more free for like something that uh, that happened recently in our game was for for a long time the monkey could not damage enemies. He would just use his wrench to knock them back and and control the crowds. And the idea was to like push that whole asymmetrical thing where it's like they need to rely on each other. The me the mech does the damage. The monkey is more like keeping it up and repaired and reloaded. And also. Um, managing the the swarms like trying to keep them at bay and crowd control but like the the problem with it was the monkey was just not that rewarding like when you went up and you smacked enemies and they just didn't die i was like what why aren't they dying i'm hitting it with a wrench and it was actually pretty late in development that we were essentially like let's just give it damage like it's still asymmetrical obviously that the mech is much better at killing than the monkey but just you've Sometimes you've just got to tweak those things and not go with what you originally thought and not be like, right, it's asymmetrical, so the monkey can't do damage, but it's more like, right, it's asymmetrical, but we still want to give each player agency. You know, we don't well, want like, them to like Mercy, just be restricted. Right? Mercy in Overwatch doesn't just have a support beam. She's got a gun. 
because yeah. like you recognize that even if this isn't the most powerful gun although mercy gun op um <laughs> like true. it's it's even like even the player who's not supposed to be the one who has the the damage output like you know healers in um like I'm playing Final Fantasy online at the moment and like healers in that can still do damage like they still have yeah. damage output and and it's almost like you know some some bosses I mean I haven't got to any of the late game stuff I'm oh, I'm too busy for MMOs it's it's a sad thing <laughs> I, I start them and I'm like oh yeah this is the best game ever this be super fun and then I'm just like oh god I need yeah. to be spending like a few hours a day on this to really be like making the progress that I need yeah. to make to be playing the the like the end game fun content. I've never had a max level character that I put there myself. Like, <laughs> yeah, I uh, I On don't anything. have time for for uh, for MMO. I mean, MMOs just aren't aren't really my thing, to be honest. I've I've tried before. I tried a bit of WoW when it the uh, classic WoW when it came out, and it was just um just a lot of time you got to put into it, mm -hmm. like saying to to get the rewards. Mm -hmm. I understand I like why people month. enjoy it, but um. It's like that kind of long term, like building up the character, and, and obviously if you've got friends to play with, that makes it a lot better. Yeah. But um, I know I just rather play a game that's that's not. Uh, I I'm just, I love like engaging primary game loops, and that's not really what MMOs are about. Like the the primary game loops are are good enough, but they're normally not really why people are playing. You know. Mm. Um, whereas I I like to have that. I like the gameplay that is you know from moment to moment really engaging i don't know it depends what mmo you play man like and, yeah yeah it's true and i think as well like because just just you talking about it makes me realize that like mmo is synonymous with the, the actual genre of mmo rpg um yeah. because there are mmos that aren't rpgs um but i feel like that's a very underexplored realm do you know what i mean i feel like most yeah, games yeah. if they bother with the mo massively multiplayer thing they're like how do we get people invested i guess we make it rpg-esque do you know what yeah. i mean like that's that seems to be what yeah because because it's all about the, the, the character right like in, in mmorpgs at least it's like you create the character and you grow it and, and you get the a gear massive part of the game is the progression uh because you spend so long doing it and th and that's really the reason within the game it's the reason you're doing stuff like oh i'm gonna keep doing this dungeon again and again because i want to get better gear i want to level up my abilities i want to be able to go um, to other dungeons i want to have and, yeah. I, and it's also like a status thing right because you're like if i'm like if i'm wearing like full you know in in um in wow it was uh like raid gear there was like raid gear that you could get that was like the best gear in the game and it was like i can't remember what it was it was like tier one the top tier raid gear and it's like stupidly low drops and if you saw someone wandering around at max level like if you want that's one of the things that i think mmos have lost the mystique of um because when they first came out there was stuff like uh star wars galaxies and um and in that right there was there was jedi but jedi was a quest line that you could only get on specific characters that were it was essentially born, but like when they were incepted, when their character was created, locked into their code was the potential to be a Jedi. I mean, I could be entirely wrong. I never played the fucking game, but like I could be entirely <laughs> wrong. But I believe it was like there was only a certain number of characters that could even get the Jedi quest line that was hard baked into your character from like day one. Um, wow. And then to get the Jedi quest line, you would need to be like a top level something else. And it was a rare chance that the Jedi quest line would even pop up in the first place. And then to do the Jedi quest line took months and months of gameplay. 
Um, and so if anyone was like, and then, so th then you're just a Jedi Padawan and you then need to train up to be a Jedi master. And so anytime someone saw a Jedi master walking around, everyone was like, holy shit, there's a Jedi master. <laughs> and apparently there was like outside one of the main cities between a Jedi master and a Sith Lord. And that battle had thousands of attendees. Like, yeah. literally thousands of people showed up to watch. Maybe not that, but like hundreds at least of people showed up to watch. And it's yeah, just, it's... it's amazing to me that there was this whole... Well, I think that's something that, um, you know, EVE Online, you heard of EVE Online? Yeah, yeah. I think they haven't lost that. And I think that's why their player base is so consistent and dedicated. Is because there is still that that time element in EVE that's like... It's really funny because EVE is almost like detached to the time element from the play element they're like you will level up your skills in real time um and to an extent you don't even need to play to like you need to play to be able to get the money to be able to buy the ships to fly them but to get the training is literally just like a linear path that the the i think a lot of it's like you don't even need to pay to get the books to learn a lot of it but you just click train skill and maybe the first level of that skill takes 20 minutes but the fifth level of almost every skill is like 10 days yeah it's really days, interesting a month like and a, a half big, yeah like a big part like you were talking about that sith thing that a big part of it of the game is is like we say it's not just the gameplay but it's like you create this world where because of how as much as i'm not a fan of grinding because of how hard it is to become a, a jedi master in it when you actually see them it's like it's built this level of it's got this meaning to it where it's like oh my god it's you know it's a jedi master and you're creating like a world and this world building but it's happening with real people mm -hmm. it's really interesting I, I i find it really interesting i found that whole thing with the uh with wow being the like uh disease that you you got from that boss that yeah. like spread through wow and then pandemic people study. ended up using it yeah to study like how pandemics spread through population which is i suppose quite topical now yeah but, really um, topical. that was really interesting as well it's it amazing create people, these microcosms and people were setting up the like the like healer farms where because only like clerics of above like level 43 or something could like cure the disease and so there were these like little like essentially like you know medical tents set up in these main cities where people could run to to get cured and these people were just like curing hundreds of people that were running at them all the time and there's just so many corpses littered all of the main cities it's it's uh it's horrifyingly topical <laughs> fucking hell but um yeah man i don't i just i'm uh stunned at the way i i one of the most interesting things to me though is um is I, it's so funny man because I've, I've tried to play eve and i wish i could get into it but like it's so much time and you have to be i don't know because I, I had a i tried to it's so funny if i'd have got into it when i first tried to get into it i would probably have like the same sort of account as my boy ellis i don't know if you know ellis uh yeah no i met, I met ellis uh before before this house whole party, quarantine maybe. thing um, at the uh, uh yeah at house party and also at the D and D, the first D and D thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah, but yeah. So he used to play Eve, uh, like you know, a fair bit, and um, yeah. and like you know, he's told me all about it, and I'm like, like you know, so hyped on all the cool stories that happen. And the craziest thing to me about Eve is that there is no NPC economy. Like, there's like, yes, there is some NPCs who sell things, very yeah. few. And you get stuff from, you get your requests from NPCs, but the game itself is entirely run by player input. 
So all of the minerals yeah. get mined by players. All of those minerals get processed by players. All of those processed minerals get turned into um, mods and ship equipment and like whole ships. Like everything you buy in that game is going to one corporation or another. Like there's no, and it's such a stunning economy that people have done full academic studies, like PhD papers on the economy of Eve. Yeah. In fact, one guy, uh, Ellis was telling me, got a job as like a CEO and director of like a banking company with no experience other than, or maybe not no experience, but like no like in industry experience. Uh, but he'd run a, an Eve, like a pretty big Eve corporation <laughs> for about a year. Yeah. And he just showed him his spreadsheets, and they were like, "Yeah, you understand. Like, you know how to do this." I mean, it's like, it's as real as much as it's in a game. It's as real as as any other economy. the The only difference is it, it's not it's not technically real money, but it is because the Eve the Eve mark. I mean, firstly, like if you were to really abstract it and say, "Well, money has no value apart from what we assign to it," but also the money in Eve Online, a lot of people put real money into, and it's actually got real like monetary worth yeah. so and for all intents and purposes it is an economy it's real yeah yeah and it's and, and what it's i not, find whole world it's so that's so weird what i find <laughs> interesting about eve is that people do the math and so you can actually search and you can buy them off of like you know in the same way that you can buy shit off of every mmo even though you're not supposed to i don't think but like ships in that game are quantified by how much they cost real world um and so there are certain ships in that game that have such a high investment cost to get them built um, and time cost. Um, they're like the biggest ones in the game that I think anyone who's taken a passing interest in Eve has heard about the Titans in that game, right? Like they have, I don't know, if, have you heard about the Titan class ships in that game? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, so there's, you know, there's, there's there's frigates and there's like mining barges and there's cargo ships. The cargo ships are cool as shit. Um, and everything has a, has a real world scale. And there's a really excellent video that I'll send you after, after the podcast to watch about the scale of the ships in Eve. But, um, so there's like, you know, there's, there's different types. There's cruisers and like stealth bombers and every, every imaginable type of really cool spaceship you can imagine. There's four races that make up the way, like the, the, the four different types of ships. And depending on what race you are, they will have better cannons or missiles or shields or armor, or they've all got different stats and the different four different races have different things that they're very good at doing. Um, yeah. Which is cool. Um, and also depending on what ammo you load and how you fit your ship with what equipment, like it will change the whole way the, the ship plays. And there's so much tactical shit that goes into Eve. It's unfathomable. However, the biggest boys, the daddies, the, 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 the top dog on this tier list is every race. So there's four of them have a race specific Titan. Um, I think right. all, pretty much all ships are actually race specific, but like they've all got a Titan. Um, and compared to your start frigate, which is like, I don't know, I think it was like 23 meters or like maybe 100 meters long. Uh, but I don't think it is. I think it's like 23. It's real small. You know, that's your starter basic primitive ship. And then, you know, you might get something a little bit bigger once you get a little bit better at the game. That's, you know, maybe like yeah, 100 meters long or like 70 meters long or something. Titans, the longest one is like 2.3 kilometers long. Um... And when you see the scale difference between like the starter ships and the main and the and the titans, you're like, 
oh my goodness does that That's like mad. yeah and it's like it's a literal embodiment of this person's time and energy because to even sit in one not fly it not be like no no one is going to let you fly it when you can first sit in a titan um because you it's an entire corporation has to work together for a, yeah. most of them so, for a while to make one are there like lots of players in the same ship no one pilot right each ship has one pilot yeah you can i think you can on certain ships you can load smaller ships into your ship to get repaired yeah, in combat in hangar, and stuff. stuff but i don't yeah. i don't but it's not like they're acting as a space station as opposed to there's multiple people running around this one ship um and so yeah and so they'll um and they've all got like a doomsday button which is like just i think it takes 10 minutes to fire and then it blows up everything in like a like a, a circumference around them uh like all enemy ships oh it might even be any ships i don't know i think eve is like doesn't really give a fuck about friendly fire um and then uh and so like these ships take so long to make and it takes about two and a half years to be able to sit in one of training skills specifically to sit in them like to fly them and it's like three or four years until you have a like i believe until you have like a competent pilot to fly a titan like before wow. anyone would actually let you fly one for any good that's ridiculous good reason yeah it's insane and they are guess how much real like um like you can buy a lot of stuff in the free version of the game online i've seen them like for at most like uh, like 12 like i think one of the more expensive ones is like 12 quid guess how much a titan's worth in terms of real money? in terms of real world value uh it's gonna be ridiculous isn't it i'll start at a grand i think <laughs> and I'll, I'll look it up now uh, it's about six or seven. Fuck me. <laughs> Good God. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh... yeah, I remember thinking like knife prices in Counter Strike were were high, but that is on a whole other level. Uh... I'm just looking it up because I want to quote the right price: seven thousand six hundred dollars. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh and it takes a month to build one and you can only do it in a specific set of regions in like the deepest darkest zero sec space because zero sec basically means security. Um and like you know in in one sec space if anyone shoots you they are going to get tracked down by AI that will just blow them up. Like Yeah. The AI will launch ships and they'll fly and absolutely ruin your day. In like mid-sec space, like and like and like the ships will come wherever you are in the system. Whereas in mid-sec space, if you're by the gates, you'll get shot immediately because uh, the whole of Eve is set out like there are these points on a giant star map that each one has a system in it that has asteroids and things to explore and stuff to do. But uh, there are these like it's a finite number of systems, but there's like several thousand of them, so. It's all set around these jump gates where you jump from one system to the next, right? Um, yeah. And so, yeah, you have to make it in, like, zero security space. You've got no protection from uh, AI, so you have to be able to protect the building of your, your Titan. And if anyone gets wind of the fact that you're building a Titan, then uh, players will uh, do what is known colloquially as aborting a Titan. Where it is in production, and then the players blow up the production station that it's in. Um, oh my god. 
Yeah, and I remember the first... Just so it's, like, not, not going to disrupt their, like, operations or whatever. No, because everyone in need is a shitter. Is The oh, whole right. point is to fuck with each other. Like, that's the... Like, the game is, like... That's one of the more interesting things to me about EVE is that it's not just, like, a, like a full economy where everything is, like... Um, everything is run by players. It's a full political spectrum. Like... You know, in-game events are viewed as things like coups and uh, faction splits and coalitions and, um, you know, and so, like, for example, like, there was this uh, one corporation that was, like, the biggest one uh, in all of EVE and they had so much space that was their territory because you can, like, you can essentially buy a section in deep space and claim it as your own um but anyone can come and challenge that but you can have it say this is our corporation and until someone else comes in and changes it it's like that's their corporation and so you can look at like star maps and they're like battle maps it's amazing um but they'll have relations with each other and so this one giant corporation was like uh we're gonna start charging people to travel through our section of space uh or something like that or they tried to like hold <laughs> hold one type of resource hostage or something and wow. so all of the corporations around them and other corporations from across the like stars were like, ah, oh, fuck these guys. Like, it's, I, normally we hate each other, but today we are going to team up and bring these bastards down a peg. And so they had like everyone group up on them and they had a massive war. And it was literally a war. And these wars cost real world thousands, literal hundreds of thousands of pounds. Yeah, I've heard about that. It's crazy, yeah. So I guess what we, what we've uh, what we've established is that MMOs are are nuts and um, cool as shit, man. They can yeah become like simulated worlds. Simulate. I mean, obviously, in a way, m most games are, but just it's the fact that everything is a player and it gets humanized, right? You have economy. I it's literally I... a micro microcosm, you know. Yeah, it's like... exactly. It is its own. It is its own universe. I mean, Eve is an obvious example because it is a universe. But like, <laughs> yeah. like all of them are. I think. Um, and I think it's. I think MMOs are one of the places where it's so expensive to develop that it's really hard to take any design risks. And I think yeah. that that has led to a certain type of MMO. Like WoW is successful in the MMO space. Guild Wars 2 is somewhat successful in the in the MMO space, but I think what they've done is m subvert the concept of WoW slightly. They've adapted it a little bit and then made it more focused on like actual like player mechanics, and so that's why it's got such like a dedicated following, perhaps. And then you've got RuneScape, which is essentially an idle clicker for the most part, um, which there's nothing wrong with. Like I, I that gets a derogatory term attached to it, but I don't think there is. I think there's nothing wrong with the fact that it's mostly an idle thing and like you know my, one of my housemates he's well into his runescape and he he does essentially raids and it's like oh okay there is actually a mad level of gameplay when you get up to the top tier but like for the most part I've, at least from what i can tell it's just like click on tree wait for a thing to pile up wood gather yeah. wood um and then you've got eve which is still like you know going strong um which is again, a completely different flavor to WoW, which is why I think it doesn't really suffer any sort of... Um, there's no crossover of market there. Um, and then you've got Final Fantasy Online, which is quite big, but I think that's because, again, it's offering a different narrative flavor to World of Warcraft. And it's also got very similar mechanics to, like, Guild Wars in the way that, like, there's a lot of movement and there's a lot of uh, 
a lot of like AOEs and things that you need to pay attention to and be careful of. Um, yeah. And then I can't really, like, I'm sure there are some, like, there are plenty more MMOs out there that I just don't know about. But, like, I feel like th of those, all of them are very much based around the sim, like, almost all of them, Eve being the only exception I'm, I'm po pointing to that's like, they're just all based around, okay, you grind a character from level zero to level whatever and get gear and you go on group adventures to take down big bosses. But, like, I think it's it's something that hasn't changed since, like, you know, the earliest MMOs. It's just been that, that standard model. And I think it's a space that has the potential to be insanely huge. Like, to be... Yeah. to or, or to do something very interesting. And I'm... I'm I'm very interested now that the more I fucking talk about it and Jesus Christ, I am talking a lot um, <laughs> is, is maybe something to do with VR because VR offers us a new way to interact with games. And I know it's still very yeah. niche because it's so expensive. VR chat is like a really interesting example of that. Yeah. Like quite big, like quite a lot of people uh, play that, you know, despite VR being somewhat, niche in terms of like, how many people can actually afford it and set it up and and so on there's a lot of people that that just do that kind of thing where you're just talking to people and and interacting with people and it's and it's anonymous but obviously it's you know you can use your voice if you want to and you can kind of i, I suppose it helps people that maybe aren't so confident with actual um in like human interaction essentially like social interaction but they, they can maybe feel more comfortable doing it there. And I mean, especially now because of quarantine, like people that maybe before would just feel on their own actually can go to these places and, and be with people. Mm -hmm. It's in a virtual world, but they, you are with them. It's, it's very, very interesting. Really freaked me out VR when I first did anything online in it, because I, w I was, I think I jumped into some silly, like, bow and arrow or sword game where you have to run through levels and you just teleport from spot to spot and get attacked by goblins and you have to shoot them with a bow and arrow and stuff. It was fun. It was just a silly little fantasy thing. Um, I don't remember what it was called, but there was the potential to team up with other people. And I remember these, like, you know, they couldn't have been, they couldn't have been much older than 12, like, like kids jump in. They're like, Oh, Hey, come with us, come with us this way, this way. And it's like, okay, yeah. this is, you know, this is cool. I'm, you know, I'm playing games with, but it was, and like, I didn't quite connect what felt different about that style of online play until I got a little bit lost and I heard, where are you? Where are you? And then just blip, appeared in front of me and I waved at the guy and yeah. then he waved back. And I was like, Oh my God, this is it. <laughs> this is the power of this. Like, I'm not I'm not pressing emote wave and my character's doing some janky like big overplayed wave that it does every single time. Yeah, I am it's, it's your physically wave. inputting the motion of my personal wave and he is giving me that back as a human to human interaction and yeah. there's that level of connection that you get from seeing human motion real human motion real exemplified human action that makes it feel and even though the graphics were nowhere near realistic and the and the model itself was like basically just a ball for a hand i had so much more personability with this part i felt like i was with another human being in that moment yeah. in a way that i don't think you do ever playing um overwatch or maybe like something like uh like an mmo maybe a little different because it's all about that like personal building of this character so you can maybe get more of a personal thing but i still think that that wave just i was like 
Yeah. I'm waving well, at a real it's, person. It's your, it's your wave, yeah, and it's got all of the the subtleties and nuances that, that will make it your wave, as opposed to just like an animation of someone waving. Like it's, uh, yeah, it's very strange. I feel like I've just yelled at you for about 25 minutes there about MMOs and about ones I haven't mind. played. Oh <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, it was, it was interesting. It was interesting seeing about all the the economy stuff. Uh, I don't even remember remember how we got on it. We were talking about game dev for quite a while, and then... Oh, who the fuck knows, um, man? This is the beautiful, tangential nature of where there's a will is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God, I'm on um, ninth, this will be my ninth episode, Louis. Ninth episode, nice. Yeah. I, I was listening to the uh, the 81 recently. That was really good. It was oh, really interesting. That guy, man, that life yeah. he's lived is, is just so cool just the way and he's so chill about it he's like yeah we worked on donkey kong yeah we didn't know that goldeneye was going to be a big deal yeah i remember I him thought... saying that's really interesting they're like they were very close to the publishers were very close to cutting it right because it was like when mm -hmm. is it they were trying to get out for the movie and it wasn't there for the movie it was already cool and ad is such a amazing bloke i love him so much what an inspirational guy <laughs> AD, if you're listening i love you man oh yeah ad big big love i i need to <laughs> stay in, in contact with ad because yes for sure he's just he's just every time i talk to him i come away and i go i can do this i can do it i am i am capable you're yeah thanks ad i call him the general because he just inspires the troops he just wanders <laughs> around and inspires the troops yeah that's uh that's exactly what he does i mean it worked for you and me eh like i mean i didn't do that like i, I say i didn't do that well i didn't I didn't achieve anything like what you achieved, but I don't think without AD, either of us would have entered grads and games of which yeah, you came man, as a runner up. Congratulations, <laughs> Louis out of fucking 98 you. people. Yeah. It's, uh, it's still, so, so, so still second cool. place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've actually, I need to make a, a some posts about that. I suppose I should uh, put it on your I'm LinkedIn, put it on your social medias. Yeah. Get um, yourself that job. Oh, <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully soon. We'll see, though. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you know, you still got like really good feedback from it. It was just like, oh, yeah, such a great, such a great uh, opportunity that he kind of, you know, he highlighted for us. Oh, yeah. Um, no, he just, he just, and it, it was, he, he was responsible for me finishing that in a way that I don't even know if he realized because without his encouragement, and also, um, I remember getting an email from, Dan, the guy who organized it, Dan from Grads and Games, uh, one of the organizers, he uh, he sent out this email saying, hey, have you not started yet? Don't worry, most people haven't started either. You should still have a stab, because even if you only do a little bit, it'll still be something you can be proud of and you can show people and you can get feedback on. And yeah. I was like, I had given up, and I wasn't going to do it. And I did feel like I was too far behind to make any difference. And you're right about all those things, and I'm going to do it now, because... Yeah, why not do it? And obviously, and it's like, and it's equally like eighty wandering around going, "Oh, how's the grads in games going? Oh, good, good, good. Oh, that's nice. Oh, yep, maybe, maybe try this thing." But he's, I don't know. I always find like eighty's crit is like ninety-five percent encouragement, five percent. You might want to look at this. Like he's never, I've never once had crit off of him that's like, "Oh, that's not working," or "That's that looks bad," or "You shouldn't do it I that think way." The thing, the thing that eighty does really well is he he makes you, um, 
he makes you get to the conclusion. He doesn't tell you how it, like, if there is something wrong with the piece, he will, he will point it out, but he'll do it in a way where it's like, okay, so, so what is wrong? Like, he's getting you to tell him. And mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, like, I've had it before where I, I know exactly what's wrong. It's like, well, there's this and this. And he's like, yeah, so how are you going to do that? How are you going to, and then you're like, okay, I'll do it like this. And he's like, and he walks away. He's like, exactly. And he's not actually told you what to do. You've told, he just, he's made you, realize he's made you tell yourself what to do it's just it's brilliant yeah it's awesome. and then but the other nice thing about ad is that you'll be like he'll be like and how do you do that and you're like oh i don't know and he'll be like well i don't know either but here's how i would go about it and he'll just sit down and just like do a couple of little things and and then he'll be like, and you could try this and then he'll leave you with it like you say like and it's the perfect kind of crit because you don't feel like your emotional response has never been triggered to get defensive about it. No matter how good you are at taking crit, it's always that little voice in the back of your head when someone says they don't like something you've done that just immediately, or at least in me, I've got that little voice in the back of my head that I have to just tell to shut up! Where it's like, you're, you know, but they don't understand it. It was really hard for you to do this, and it was this, and you've given it your very best effort, and it's like, shut up, inner critic. They're not doing this to make me feel bad. They're doing this to make me better as a per- like as an artist. Like, yeah. it's not, and but I think we all have that emotional response. So if you meet someone who can give you crit without you ever getting that triggered, it's, uh, I mean, it's just endless. It's infinitely yeah. inspiring, you know? Well, I mean, that's... Uh... Am I boring you, Lou? I'm sorry. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm boring myself. Um, <laughs> no, I was I was going to say that that voice. Uh, it's it's almost it's. I think it it makes me like when it you do get that emotional reaction. It's it to me. It feels like it's because you know it's right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it, always. I was like, yeah, like this is like you you've been working on something for a long time and you've come away from you like you know you get crit from it and like right this is wrong this is wrong this is wrong and you're like. Fuck, you're right. God damn it. Oh, yeah, because if they're wrong, you don't care. It doesn't bother you. You're like, what the fuck do you know? You've got no idea what you're talking about. And it's like, not that you necessarily dismiss people out of hand just because they're giving you crit that you don't like, but sometimes you can tell. It's like, you are just speaking words at me, and I don't necessarily think that you have my best interest at heart. Uh, yeah, in the way that you're giving crit, like the the way that you know someone might see your your piece and go, oh, you know what? What about this? What about that? You might just not agree with them on this. All that, yeah. Um, but I don't even think that's. I'm talking about specifically people who are just like, I don't. You get it sometimes. It's, unfortunately, it's been very rare for me to get crit that I'm just like, you're just being a dick. But sometimes yeah, people are just being a dick. Way. Yeah. And you have to. And and but what I'm saying is, I never feel like that triggers my defensive voice because I'm like. You're a dick. I don't care what you have to say about my work. It doesn't affect me. But it only pops up when it's when it's when it's true. Like and and so, and that's when it really pops up. That's when it riles you, right? It's when someone who's a dick hits something that's true about your work. That's a problem with your work. Then it's really then you're just like because he's right, but I hate him, but he's right. Or or her. You know, you don't have to be a dude to be a dick. Yeah. I don't want to be gender specific about dickheadedness. Yeah, it's a human trait that can appear anywhere. <laughs> exactly. You can identify however you want and still be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> you still need to earn my respect. I as would well. judge you by your actions and not your identifications. Exactly. Well, we've been on uh, quite a journey with this one, I feel. We have, we have. We could we could start wrapping it up. I think we're at like fifty five minutes now, so um okay. so if there's uh, any pressing things that you really want to get off of your chest um, no, I mean, except obviously if you're, if anyone out there is, uh, 
bored in quarantine and is living with someone and has two controllers, you can play Planetary Pest Control. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe you'll get on with them a bit, a bit better after after you work together. Well, maybe you'll um, kill each other. Who knows? Uh, hopefully oh, yeah, the game's well, not responsible for that. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, no, we, you've got to sign a waiver before you play. Ah, yeah, um, that's understandable. <laughs> that's very smart. That's very smart. No, it looked. It, it. I mean, you know, if you're not, if you're not on the, if you're on the fence, I'll put a link to it in the itch.io. Just have a look at the trailer. Like, oh my god, this looks so much fun. Like, I'm, I, I'm, I'm privy to a little more than maybe the the average folk because I, uh, I jumped in and helped you guys out with a little bit of uh, VFX work towards the end yeah. there with just a few cool. specific things. But, um, but yeah, I've, I've, uh, I've played it a little bit. I've. I don't know. I feel like once you're, you're once you're inside a build and you're doing development on it, it kind of you've you've almost it's like knowing how a magic trick is done, right? You haven't spoiled the beauty and the artwork that goes into the magic trick. If anything, I find it's more impressive when I understand how it works. But yeah. I also can't view it the same way that someone who's naive to it does. Yeah, I, I, I will mean, play the game. You see your blood effects. <laughs> it's more just like you know, like. I've seen the fucking the layouts of the levels. I've seen, yeah, like you know what I mean? You've been works. inside. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it'd still be yeah. a very fresh experience and I do intend to play it. But um, but yeah, everyone I mean, should go check should, it out. Uh, should play it with some of your, your housemates. I know, right? Yeah, I will. I will. We'll Maybe get we it. Get Connor to play it or Josh or something. Yeah, it's a shame it's not on the PS4, but we can get it on uh, Connor's laptop. So we will play it and I'll give you some feedback, my man. Because I, I right. don't know fuck yeah. all about the story or how it actually plays through. I've just... I just yeah, uh, I'd love to hear what you think. Yeah, um, man. Yeah. I had quite a big hand in the like the dialogue writing in, in the end. So yeah, if you got any feedback about the uh, the writing, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, man. It'd be my game. pleasure. But anyway, yeah, this has been this has been great. Yeah, thanks uh, for doing this wanna... with me, man. It's been really, really, really awesome. You've been uh, yeah. insightful and uh, tolerated my excited yelling very well. <laughs> um, <laughs> and to everybody listening, we will say goodbye. Goodbye. Love you.